Marrow is what brings us together. <laughs> is, I, I don't know what that was. What? Princess Bride? Is that like your version of Marrowage? Yeah. Okay. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 374 with a review of Meru. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. If you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we're like going off our normal path, and we're actually reviewing a documentary, um, which is... We don't know how this is going to go. This is a big surprise for us. I don't think we've ever reviewed it. It's been unpaved. No one's done it. We're doing like a Himalayan wall climb on like icy terrain, dude. (laughs) Yes. And there's going to be some sort of like shark fin in the middle of a review that we may not Mm -hmm. be able to get over. (laughs) Just maybe. Um, Maybe. But uh, yes, uh, Meru. Meru is what brings us together. (laughs) I don't know what that was. What? Princess Bride? Is that like your version of Marriage? Yeah. Okay. I just... All right. Anyways. <clears throat> starting off strong. Uh, starting off strong. Yeah, starting off rocky? Look, even these guys didn't make it the first time. <laughs> oh, okay. So anyways, this is a film that you wanted to see. Um, I'm not saying that I didn't want to see it. I just I didn't know anything about it other than the poster which is the side of my Meru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I went into this knowing it was just about mountain climbers. Yeah. Um, I had no idea uh, like what the deal is, like why the documentary is being made. So I didn't know whether they were going to succeed, whether something tragic was going to happen to the group. Like I, I had no idea why we were watching this film. Um, not mm-hmm. like I was against it. I just like... I was going in completely fresh. So No, I was actually going in pretty blind too. I mean, what I knew was that I like every year I try to look at what documentaries are coming out because I feel like I don't catch enough of those in theaters. All right. Um this one had a lot of buzz. Uh the trailer made me see that there was going to be at the very least some pretty badass shots <laughs> looking over the side of a mountain. <laughs> and I don't know, I have enough friends who like rock climbing and mountain climbing that it uh, it just seemed interesting to me. Yeah, so, but I had no idea what would happen. So so we don't know how long this review is going to go, but we're going to be making it kind of short, so I may or may not be artificially padding the front of this, but what exactly is it that draws you to documentaries in general? Like what like because because there's a couple different types. There's like the type that can be like they started with the idea first and they're proving the idea or trying to communicate a message that they were trying to do by showing you something through the documentary. Or there is the like, we happen to be filming something happened. And then this is the documentary about that thing that happened. Or there's like, sort of like after the fact, like, Oh, this thing was crazy. Here's all about the background of this event. Like what type of documentaries that you do you, are you drawn to or do you just like the medium as a whole? I mean, I'm I'm drawn to a lot of different types. I think what a documentary can do very well that a fiction doesn't always succeed at is there are certain questions that are really hard to give a straight answer to. Like in this case, the question of the movie is 
what on earth would make a person want to risk their life to climb a mountain? <laughs> um, and I feel like the answer to those kind of questions can be hard to convey. But what you can do kind of like the end of the tour or something is just put a camera next to these people for days on end and just watch them interact. And like you kind of get to absorb something about why people do the things they do, even if they don't have a thesis. Uh, so I feel like I like it when a documentary can show me a side of life that I haven't lived before and let me kind of, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like a, a, a work of fiction, unless you really like believe the director is a visionary, there's like a certain stopping point where you can't really plumb the depths of it anymore. Yeah. Like the screenplay had an idea and you figure it out and then you're done. Real life, you can analyze forever, basically. Like there's always more to see in why do people behave this way? What is the little quirk they did? What's that look they gave the camera? And I also like that you know they know they're being filmed. So like people who are in documentaries are showing off. They're trying to present the best version of themselves. And I don't know. I just think that's a cool medium in general. Uh, whether or not the events that happened are cool, I like uh, I like just watching people watching. Gotcha. Yeah, I... I kind of approach documentaries maybe a little bit differently. Like I, I, I want to either learn something to finish the documentary and go like, whoa, like that was really interesting. Like not from a like cool people watching, but like, like for instance, uh, Tim's Vermeer, where it's like by the end of it, you're like, oh, like, holy shit. Like that's crazy what they thought of and that this guy was doing this thing that the whole film is about. Um, mm -hmm. Or I just like incredibly uh like heavy stories like with dear zachary um like documentaries like that are just like the these like i know why those film like, even though that one kind of starts as one thing and then becomes something else like you know what the like i like to know why the filmmaker thought i needed to hear this story as mm -hmm. opposed to just like like peeking in on a world and just seeing somebody else's story like those still enjoy me but for those i tend to like regular narratives about kind of seeing a world about something than i do watching a documentary um, mm -hmm. but anyways i yeah i just wanted to to kind of like gauge your yeah no it, it's a good question and i feel like the way this movie plays out kind of pushes that question a little yeah um so yeah and, yeah, then, and, and that's and that's part of why I wanted to know, because my opinion of the film is definitely going to be related to what I like about documentary. And I assume that your impression of the film is going to be geared in the same way. But I have a feeling that those two things might not be the same. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do you think we need a trailer in this episode? Should we, should we do it just to keep things consistent? Or might, should... might as well. Okay. Well, we are going to let you listen to the trailer for Meru and then come back and give you a review. I always wondered how I was going to die, and now, now I know. Meru is the culmination of all I've done, and all I've wanted to do is this peak and this climb. Conrad's reputation among climbers is flawless. I only go on expeditions with people that I know and that I trust. As a team, you're the sum total of all your experience. I had heard about Renan. I knew he was strong enough. When we got there and I looked up at the mountain, I didn't know what we were getting into. This is the test of the master climber. Jimmy and Conrad have climbed Everest four or five times. This is a whole different kind of climbing. 
16 days up here. We lost half our food, and 90% of the mountain was still above us. The center of the universe is unattainable. Climbing with your mentors is a dangerous thing because you give them all of your trust. I gave them everything. The rewards of climbing are huge. The problem is you don't always come out of okay. People die, and then you can't justify it. That is the great dilemma. The idea of not climbing was too much to imagine. I've got two kids. My wife's there, and I'm responsible for them. I had this premonition. I didn't want him to go. If we go for it, there's a probability that we aren't going to come back. Am I taking too many chances? Can I control the risk? Of course you can't control the risk. It was something that I had to do. It was Conrad saying, you can do this. He knew that we had to trust him, and that's what we did. We had become so close. It was worth the risk. It was worth possibly dying for. All right, so uh, that was a trailer for Meru. It's a documentary about a group of climbers who are trying to summit uh, the shark fin of Meru. <laughs> yep. So, Stephen, what did you think of the film? Um, yeah, overall, partly for the reasons I gave, uh, I really like this movie. Um, I think... So, so I mentioned what I was most curious about going into this is why would a person risk their life to climb a mountain? Like, that is so far from my experience <laughs> of how I live and the things that I value that it it just always blows my mind that there are people out there who they will pick a place not because it's the most beautiful, but because it's the most difficult. Uh, and, like, that is their driving force. Yeah. Um, and so the movie, I think it it unfolds very nicely where first you're thrust right into watching them climb the mountain. I did not know there were two attempts, by the way. Uh, so at first I thought this was going to be just the most anticlimactic movie ever. <laughs> um, but then it turns out it was only like 30 minutes in at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what follows, it starts to just unfold kind of this community of thrill-seeking people. Um, I actually, I think more than watching them climb the mountain what I enjoyed was watching their individual stories, uh, like Jim, Jimmy Chen, was that his name? Uh, the, the, the dude who was holding the camera for most of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was just a totally fascinating character, and I loved watching some of the kind of side trips it went, went on when he's doing other projects, and crazy, crazy, crazy stuff happens, and we get to watch it basically from the first person, like from a GoPro, <laughs> watch a natural disaster occur. Yeah. Um, the other other character, Renoir, he, when we first see him in the past, he's scaling a mountain with no rope. <laughs> like just <laughs> yes. alone in the middle of the desert. He's, uh, he's Tom Cruise in Mission yeah, Impossible 2. I was going to say, he was the real life version of Ethan Hunt. <laughs> yeah, but instead of working for a secret agent, he's just like... Uh, a homeless guy who drives around, probably smokes copious amounts of weed. I'm not sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> no, probably just peyote. <laughs> um, yeah, so so what this movie wound up being to me was more of a look at 
this band of people who get off on adventure and who try to find meaning through tackling the most difficult problems. Um, yeah. And so as far as answering my original question, I don't think it really did that. Like, it didn't tell me why do people want to risk their life, but it did kind of tell me what kind of people are willing to risk their lives. And I don't know, I liked being thrown into this world and, like, people will refer to stuff like, got to toe the line, we got an A40 wall up ahead. <laughs> and I have no clue what any of that language means, but I I don't know, I found it fascinating to just watch them do their thing yeah and i definitely think the movie builds towards a pretty gratifying emotional conclusion and the cinematography is just like breathtaking i mean you you are on a mountain and in an avalanche just watching stuff (laughs) from the first person (laughs) yeah so yeah i would question their life decisions particularly the renoir guy um but overall i found it really interesting yeah, so I I found the film entertaining mostly because all of the people in the film, even the people who are being interviewed about the people in the film, are all very charismatic people. You know, like like they're fun to watch. Hearing them talk about what's going on is interesting. Um, I think as a documentary, it, it's weird to me because the summiting of Meru is secondary to the events that led to them attempting in the first place. Like yeah. the most interesting part of the story is not them on the mountain at all. It's all about the places they were leading up to them being on the mountain, who they were in their past lives, their past climbs, what they did. And uh, especially the one guy who has to work the hardest to be able to take the final trip. Like yes. his journey is incredible. Like, like, like seeing all that stuff is really, really interesting. Uh, I don't, the mountain itself is the least interesting aspect of it. And part of that is because they don't like, like, so I'm not sure whether they're the first people to successfully do this. If they're, it was just their life dream to do like, you know, there's like, I I believe they're the first. I think it was, it was a mountain that no one had climbed before. Okay. So, so that's not hit enough. I think in the story because that is a bigger achievement, like, because they talk about, like, one of them has done, like, Everest, like, five times or something like that, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so It or- kind of undercut the trailer for Everest that played before this movie, by the way. <laughs> I, I can imagine that. Um, but, like, it, well, part of the thing is that, like, Everest is a gnarly beast, but the aspects of, like, Meru is so crazy because it's so many different types of climbs. Like, Everest... Mm-hmm is, you know, tall as hell, and it's super gnarly, but it's the same type of climbing the whole time, <laughs> yeah. right? So you're, you're, you're facing the elements more than you are facing different skill sets and some of that. So that's what makes Meru, like, so crazy is just that it's so different. But, like, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, yeah, like, Everest is the showy, impressive thing. It's like an insane guitar solo. Yeah. And Meru is, like, the quiet, dedicated technically perfect playing that doesn't come off as completely sexy to people who aren't a part of that world <laughs> yes. so it's rockstar versus whiplash yes <laughs> um but uh but anyway so so we've already talked about how there was two attempts so obviously you know that at one point the attempt didn't work so the mm-hmm. one thing that's weird about this this film is like they're not 
they're not hold like it, it's it's definitely a documentary made by climbers for climbers i think like it, mm-hmm. it's in, in a way it feels almost made for themselves because it's it's kind of like their own homage to the event that they finally did in an, in a way to document it and celebrate it in in a way that they they would really love because it doesn't really care if you know much about climbing or anything like so one thing i kept thinking about like so the on their first attempt right Mm-hmm. They they get caught in a, a snowstorm, and they make the statement about how they've been stuck on the side of the hill for four days waiting out the storm, but they only brought seven days worth of food, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, that's pretty crazy. But then like later on in the film, it's like day seventeen. It's like well, what? <laughs> no, wait, where are the conversations where you guys are doing math in your head, making decisions about whether you're gonna? Because because so, to me. If you've been on the mountain for four days and you have seven days worth of food, like you should have been talking about rationing before that point. And like, there's no point where they're like, okay, so we think that we have enough f- fuel, as they call the food. Like, we have mm-hmm. enough fuel to make it. Like, th- like, okay, so in in a normal, so take take uh, the movie Sunshine, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a great scene in the middle of Sunshine where, th- you know, something has happened on the ship. And they're trying to figure out if they can make it to the sun to deliver this payload. So they're doing math of like, okay, well, there's this many of us. There's this much oxygen reserve, this much food, this is much everything. We can make this much of a journey. So they, at some point in the film, they're stop, stopping to calculate the journey back to Earth and just calculate the dirt journey to even make it to the destination to set off the bomb to hopefully restart the sun, right? Mm-hmm. So before they get to the point where they're out of shit, they're trying to calculate that out. And I know that these characters were doing that because they're experienced climbers. They had to have been doing that. But like when you tell me you're four days in to a seven-day food supply and then a title card later on in the film says like day 17 or whatever, like there you haven't – I don't understand how you're still alive. <laughs> like, yeah. So obviously you were still alive. I'm, I'm assuming those numbers are correct. You didn't climb it in four days and just tell everybody it was two weeks or whatever. But like there's no – explanation for how that worked or why that worked or what they were doing and and another thing is like on their first attempt they make it to this one last ridge and then mm-hmm. it's i forget what day it is but they say like you know we have to go back because we're not we'd have to sleep up there tonight if we tried to make that but we can't but they don't just sleep on the side of the hill and then climb it in the morning they go all the way back and just cancel the attempt yeah there's no talk of what why they made that decision and then at the end of the film, when they're actually making the climb, it looks like it's like 50 feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, yeah, it like, definitely makes it look like they were really, really close. Like, so like, you know, like in any other movie where like an islander shimmies up a palm tree and knocks down a coconut, that literally, the, it, it, the last leg that they quit the first time up, they spend 15 seconds of the film showing him climbing it. Like... Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, your turn. You want to do the rest of it? Sure. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Hey, catch this coconut. You know, like that. Well, and so I think that all that comes down to what this the random guy who was being interviewed about these climbers. They like he was like a fifty year old guy who says gnarly and and stuff. Um, (laughs) When that guy is describing what makes them so great, he talks about like their technical precision and knowing exactly what to risk and when you have to give up and. I think, unfortunately, when you're watching it take place, you don't feel the grand emotion of that because they're not showing emotions. They're just being like calculating like, nope, we all agree we can't make it. I know it only looks like it's 50 feet away, but can't do it. Damn it. 
turning around and going home. Yeah. So there, there is like a lot of shorthand here where as I am not a climber, I don't understand the weight of those decisions or why they would risk so much only to turn at the last minute. It, it, I, I guess I kind of liked that. That was like immersion, an immersionary way of seeing something where like, I don't, I don't understand the lingo or the logic. I'm just kind of watching these people hang out. Part of the problem too is that the camera guy is sort of just like this like surf rat kind of dude. Like he's kind of like, oh, we have to go back, man. This is like crazy. Like so you kind of miss the gravity of moments like that because he's like he he should be like shitting himself and upset. But he's sort of just like, "Eh, well, you know. We've been climbing for like six days, but I guess we're turning around. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's not. And, and part of it is also like my not knowing of what happened. Like, so one of the climbers earlier on in the film has some pretty crazy things happen to him. And like, it, it's, it's a possibility that he might not be able to even do the climb at all. So like there are moments on the, on the hill, like later on in the film where like, so because I don't know where the story's going, like I, I, I'm expecting or thinking one thing, and if that if the film doesn't deliver that, like I don't, like I, I don't even know what the the IMDb description for this documentary is. It might like specifically say like <laughs> these three these three climbers do this and then this, you know, like I don't, yeah, I don't know. So it it's part of it is my my ex like I guess by the end of it. Like you, you said that it was they were the first people to climb this mm-hmm. because the documentary doesn't sell that enough to me. I don't know why I'm being told this story. So right. is this a story of tragedy? Is this a story of triumph? Is this a story of just being the first? Like because there's also if it, if it is a story about them just being the first, like I feel sort of like it's somewhat maybe irresponsible to not have other climbers who failed attempts in the documentary as well like right. to- they mentioned one like one failed the attempt which is why they come back because it still hasn't been defeated well did that guy even fail it because i feel like that guy asked them for their note so he could do it and then i did that guy actually fail or just back out of it i, I think he failed okay but, but yeah it doesn't fully communicate it and to answer like what it's about in my mind it's less about them climbing this and more using this kind of ridiculous challenge as a way to talk about climbing culture and the mindset of these people. And and that's why I devote so much time to their backstory, to the people they've climbed with in the past, to other things they've done. Um, Yeah, I really, I I saw the climb just as an excuse to have cool footage. And then the story is who these people are. I, I guess like in, if this was a standard narrative film, the film wouldn't have been about the camera guy. It wouldn't have been about the other climber who is like the most famous of the climbers. It would have been about like that Ricky, Ricky, that, that rookie dude who like Mm -hmm. was sort of just like free climbing on his own in the wilderness and like the tragedy that happened to him before the big climb and his like, like the Southpaw story of him like coming back from this accident and then, like ascending this mountain and, and like doing it for himself and really like doing something that not only is impossible for normal people who didn't have devastating injuries, but is, is even more impossible for like somebody who like went through what he did. So it's definitely interesting to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we, we are in a pretty big time crunch. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
So I think either we finish this discussion later or we just jump to verdicts. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm fine with jumping to verdicts. All right. Um, <laughs> should, we, should we leave that as the transition? or should Yeah, we? let's do it. I've been rationing out time for this conversation, <laughs> and I think we got about 30 seconds left All right, before well, we need to turn down the mountain. As we got, we got. All right. So why don't we skip right ahead to the verdict then, Stephen? If you were going to give this a must see, reckon with the caveat. Wait for rental. Pass with the caveat or must avoid. What would you give it? I'm giving it a recommend with a caveat. I think it's a very interesting documentary. Uh, it taught me a lot about a subject I didn't know anything about, and the views are spectacular. Uh, the caveat is that it is not the kind of expected hero journey with the extremely satisfying climax so if you were hoping for people taking an impossible task and solving it i don't think this really communicates that yep i'm going to give it a record with a caveat also it's an incredibly entertaining documentary it maybe doesn't deliver what i like the documentary-ness of the documentaries that i i kind of tend to gravitate towards um but i definitely enjoyed it and it, it's it's worth a watch because it's incredibly entertaining. All the people in it are very charismatic. So, Stephen, before you head out, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Cool. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or uh, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW at 760-575-4879. Uh, music, maybe. There's a soundtrack. At least there was in the credits. I think an explosion is in this guy sound, uh, song or something like that. <laughs> song, not sound. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for joining me, Stephen. Yep, thanks for having me. And you can head out and uh, everybody else... We will talk to you later with another review. Bye. Bye, Chris. (laughs) 